What is crackalackin', fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with my certified fantabulous co-host, Grant Hughes. We are moving into another NBA trade deadline primer from the Eastern Conference, getting through these final ones here. Before we get started, please let me remind you to subscribe to us wherever you consume us. If that's on YouTube, hit like, subscribe, comment, help the algorithm love us back, share the videos podcast players as well apple spotify stitcher google play wherever you consume your podcast subscribe to us there if you have not already if you have subscribed tell a friend retweet our promo shout us out on twitter or other forms of social media share our podcast that means a ton join our discord the link to that is in the podcast and youtube description if you're already in our discord bring a friend or two or five show them the link to the discourse that we can continue to increase the basketball discussion and that there'll be more discussion when Grant or myself aren't active because it's trade deadline season and we're running around like chickens with our head cuts off to juggle our schedules and follow us on all the socials. We have cleared 200 followers on TikTok, Thank you. And we're now almost at 200 followers on Instagram. Um, that was a pathetic bordering on tragic milestones, but at hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram at hardwood Knox on TikTok and Twitter as well. Where we have over 5k followers there. That's a little bit less pathetic. I think. Um, and last, but certainly not least, as I mentioned at the end of the last podcast, we will be in the Bleacher Report app doing a live stream on February 7th at 2 p.m. Eastern time to preview the NBA trade deadline. And then we'll be back in there on February 9th, the trade deadline day at 5 p.m. Eastern time to do winners and losers. Uh, I don't know if we'll have the ability to promote it on Twitter or send you a link, but download the BR app, be on the lookout for it, come support us that way interact and engage i'm assuming we'll be able to interact with commenters there but if not just come watch come listen um it would mean a lot to us if you did that Whew, that was long that was a two minute amble for me after saying i wouldn't talk for minutes at a time grant the most important question though of the podcast how the heck are you well dan uh i got a little bit nervous to be honest because i knew we were going to do that live stream or those live streams but uh I don't know why that makes me slightly nervous because it's like a condensed version of what we're doing now and it's not any different, but it is a, diff a little different. We so, might have more than tens of watchers, I think is what we might. We might. Who knows? Maybe we'll have fewer. Hard to say. <laughs> I have the Milwaukee Bucks coming up next and not a lot going on here because the Bucks sort of need a closing wing uh, and a guy that can play both ends and doesn't have the one end or the other issues of Joe Ingles, Wes Matthews, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton is probably the most complete guy at that position. Um, but he feels more like a six man or, you know, he's not, he's not someone I think you want out there necessarily uh, as your fifth closer, if you can help it. Um, obviously none of this matters if Chris Middleton is not healthy. Um, so they're obviously buyers. Uh, I think probably the most likely things that they can trade to try to fill this need are Grayson Allen. Um, I don't know what the market for Ingles or Jordan Nora would be, but that you can, you know, throw those guys all together get George Hill in there if you want to. And then you're, you know, you're kind of hoping that that stuff and some seconds and your 29 first, which I think is the only one they can trade. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, no, you're correct. Gets you, gets you into like the Crowder, Eric Gordon, you know, Malik, just pick, pick your available wing, you know, and throw them in there. Um, that's like, it's fairly, it's fairly uncomplicated for the Bucks. They need a particular position. They have limited assets with that one first rounder way out uh, being the sweetener and some mid price contracts to try to get it. So, you know, we'll talk about them. And it's all the same names that have been in, you know, the rumor mill forever. 
um, all, you know, these, I don't know if distressed assets is the right word, but the Crowders, the Gordons, the, those types of guys. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I don't know if you saw the rumor of what they were going to get. I'm with you on everything you said, what it was going to take to get Jay Crowder. And it was literally a trade that a Redditor would cook up where you're giving up all these spare parts and seconds to get a good player for your team. You didn't give up anyone who's critical and it actually worked, which is why I probably have to tweak my trade idea that I have for them. It was my favorite one, by the way, that I came up with and people from the bucks and the jazz side, I think just shit all over it. And so I like readjusted to it because I thought it was fine, but look, I think what's going to, they're going to end up with Jay Crowder and like, that's going to be their trade deadline and that's fine. I'm still going to be very concerned about the half court offense when they're healthy with Middleton holiday and Giannis, it's probably not a big deal. So if those guys are just going to be available in the playoffs, um, there's there's no issue there, but it's just like kind of food for thought there. And Grayson Allen can be up and down too. And the fact that he is kind of important to them. And it's just like, even by acquiring a Jay Crowder, have you solved the issue of, well, that's our fifth closing guy? Because Brooke Lopez, Giannis, Jay Crowder, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton sounds really good in theory, but you could be hard up for shooting pretty quickly in a lot of, well, depending and- on what like type of run Jay Crowder is on. And I think you feel they feel a little like not bigness. I guess they are big. They feel a little big and a little slow. Um, and I think you're probably going to need then Middleton or Crowder to guard somebody that can really score that's quicker than they are. Because you're going to use Holiday on whoever the most dangerous opposing scorer is, sometimes up to like power forward even. Um, but then I don't know. It's Crowder's kind of a wild card because like everybody trots out how like he's been on two finals teams, back to back different teams, and he's a playoff guy and he can make an open three. And but I just he's not really he's a combo forward and he, I think he's he skews a little closer to the four. And like yeah. if you're playing alongside Mikhail Bridges, cool that that works fine. <laughs> but like I don't know that I do know that Middleton is not that level of defender like Bridges is, and there's just going to be someone that isn't that Crowder is going to be a little bit, you know, hard pressed to kind of hang with, especially if it's like a, a quick shifty trying to think who they would even face potentially. Like, I don't know. I, I, but yeah, that's the idea is like, there are question marks, I think for me with him, even if I think we probably agree he's on like, you know, there's two or three guys that the Bucks should target and he's one of them. And look, if you're going to get him for what it was, Jordan Wara and George Hill and, I don't even, it was such a, and seconds. And then there were, yeah. what was the other, it wasn't Grayson Allen even. What was the other salaries that were involved in that? I, I can't uh, remember. I mean, your trade is, is. Oh, Ibaka was in there. Uh, so like that, like was, was Wesley Matthews in there? Like what, what the heck here? So my trade idea for them is, I, I don't know how to frame this because I think I need to give the adjusted one first based off of like, this was, I came up with this trade idea before the Jay Crowder. Rumor. So this was my trade idea. Milwaukee gets Malik Beasley, Jay Crowder, a 2020 second round pick from Phoenix, and a 2027 second round pick from Phoenix. The Suns get Jared Vanderbilt and Joe Ingles. The Jazz get Grayson Allen, Marjan Bochamp, George Hill. The Bucks is 2029 first round pick. Top eight protection. Could you could loosen it, but it turns into a 2029 second if not conveyed. However, after hearing, and I was uneasy, I wrote about this, how like giving up Joe Ingles kind of feels not great in this deal because Malik Beasley and Jay Crowder don't give you a ton of half court creation, but I actually would pick either one of them to close games over yeah. Joe Ingles in that scenario. Um, and Joe Ingles would be weirdly helpful to Phoenix. Well, not weirdly helpful. He could be helpful to Phoenix, 
But now that you have the rumor out there of, okay, well, this is what it costs to get Jay Crowder. The new deal I have is the Bucks get Malik Beasley and Jay Crowder. The Suns get Vanderbilt, George Hill, and Serge Ibaka. The Jazz get Grayson Allen, Jordan Wara, Marjan Bochamp, Wesley Matthews, and then that 2029 first round pick. And I'm wondering if Bucks fans even say, like, that's too much um, just because it seems like they get Jay Crowder for spare parts. But if it's costing you a first round pick and that first round pick and Marjan Bochamp to get Malik Beasley and Jay Crowder, that feels like an absolute home run, especially if in this scenario you are keeping. Joe Ingles, which it seems like they would they would like to do. Um, but that was the trade idea I came up with them because I think that they need more. Than, I don't think they need more. They could still win the title. But if I wanted to sort of solidify their status as one of the, let's say, two most likely teams to win the title, a Malik Beasley-Jay Crowder acquisition just feels like it does that. And you yeah, have Beasley's under team control next year, and you could re-sign Jay Crowder if you really want to. I agree. I love that from the Buck side. I just bump on the Jazz giving up beasley and vanderbilt basically and the premium asset is is as a 2029 first like that's way out um i don't know why i just think that they might i feel like between those two guys it should be a first and like at least one i guess maybe Beauchamp is that guy but at least one other thing that like really is is a high-end asset it's not that's the only side I bump on. I think everybody else is like getting Vanderbilt to, to Phoenix. I, I, I really like it. Um, and I just don't, I thought would they give up, could they just protect the hell out of this year's first round pick? Would they give that up? Jay Crowder and that for Vanderbilt. If they do that, I think it simplifies a lot where it's maybe the bucks then don't have to give up their 2029 first, or they don't have to go up Bochamp. But I just, I'm not giving up a first round pick if I'm Phoenix for just Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. Do we, do you agree that Crowder is the most likely Bucks acquisition if you just had to like, you know, give odds? Yeah. I yeah. just don't, I mean, that might even be, I'm doing trade deadline predictions and I try like the ones I'm trying to get right. And I might just predict, predict Jay Crowder to the Bucks. Like yeah. I just, uh, most likely player to be traded for them, by the way, who did you have? I think probably Allen um, just because of the salary. Uh, if you're trying to do anything, whether it's Crowder or not, that's the cleanest way to get there. Well, he wasn't involved in the last that last uh, package. I kind of think it's Serge Ibaka. They're just going to get oh, off. Right, yeah. so, Ibaka is the, the rare uh, minimum salary guy who doesn't play that is basically demanding a trade. That's that's a tough look. So, yeah, he might go first. Uh, our next team is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, look, the question for them is the same as ever, is how big of an upgrade can they make to their wing rotation without a first-round pick to deal? And then it's also how – all in, are they willing to go on that wing acquisition to where would you give up Isaac Okoro, who's been playing well, yeah. to improve your wing um, rotation? Spoiler alert, people were not happy in Cleveland with the trade that I proposed for this, even though I thought it was fair. You also have Karis LeVert sitting here, and so I go back and forth as to whether, like, if they wanted to take a swing and you include Karis LeVert and uh, Isaac Okoro, what does that get you? Or even if you're just dangling Isaac Okoro out there, or can you just go out and get a Josh Richardson or Jalen McDaniels without giving up any of like Karis LeVert or Isaac Okoro? Is that the route that they go? Do they think even smaller time where it's just, you know, the Bucks are looking for a home because they're trying to complete the six for one to get Jay Crowder and they need a home for Wesley Matthews is like, do the Cavaliers just say, yeah, you know, like he's just like kind of this wingish body who's 80 years old, but, but we'll take him. Um, what route do you see them going here? 
I think I keep coming back to Levert. Like I, I totally get the Okoro, the, the hesitation for moving Okoro. Um, even if he, you know, was disappointing, like unequivocally based on his draft slot and looks like there's a player there now, or at least lately. Um, so if you want to hang on to him somehow, I guess, you know, that'd be great. And it would be even better if he were good enough that this was not the constant topic of how do we get a guy that can fill the gap between Garland, Mitchell, and then Mobley Allen. Like who's that fifth guy? It'd be great if it were a Coro. So then maybe it still will be, I don't know. But Lavert is the guy that just seems superfluous to me. I, I don't, I don't like his fit in the starting lineup just because he provides principally what they don't need as another shot creator on ball guy um, that, you know, he can do other things, but that's the main thing he's out there for. And I just don't have a, put a huge value on him doing that for second units or with one or the other of Mitchell and Garland. So I think he's the guy that I would be looking most to move. Um, I just like, what does every other team view him that way? Cause I think we're past the point where a team would say, Oh, Levert is a guy that we're going to start at the two just full stop. And, and he's going to be, you know, like, I don't know that his value is, is, is at that level anymore. So then a coral almost has to come back into it because then he puts you in play with teams that want a second draft guy or a high upside guy, rookie scale contract, like that kind of thing. So I, like I'm looking at Gary Trent, obviously not to jump too far ahead, but someone like that, I don't know if he's quite big enough, honestly, I think I want like, ideally I'd want six, seven, six, eight with length to, to be at that three spot you need to um, calm down evan mobley and jared allen are there it's right fine. that's the thing i'm saying ideally but trent is the type right i i think he's gonna make shots he's disruptive defensively he's always gotten a lot of steals like that that works that works for me i just lavert and some other stuff is you know and plenty of other stuff i think is what it would take to get that done the other thing that might complicate this and i don't uh i don't even know if this was supposed to be off the record or not so i'll just make it off the record but apparently i don't know if this was a public quote or if this is something i was told off the record that Lavert is willing to accept a pay cut to stay in Cleveland. And it's like that complicates it a little bit where if you think you could get him cheaper just to have him as sort of like the, and he has not been terrible this season no, by any no. stretch. So like it's, I still think they need to make a wing addition, but that's going to factor into the calculus, which my trade idea for the Cavs, which again was roundly rejected by a few people in Cleveland was Ken Birch and Gary Trent Jr. for Karis Lavert, Isaac Okoro and a Denver's 2026 second round pick. Uh, if you could get back a not Ken Birch in that deal, like a different smaller salary, I just viewed it as like, if you're not giving up a tangible first round pick, like that's what you would need to do to get mm -hmm. uh, Gary Trent Jr. Maybe you could even complete this deal without Karis LeVert, step ladder your way there with Jetty Osmond, Dylan Windler, and Isaac Okoro, I believe get you there. Would that make it more likely? You're not getting Gary Trent Jr. though to Cleveland without giving up Isaac Okoro. That would just be, and he's been hitting his threes, but it's not, I won't, Look, he's fooled me like eight times before. I'm not going to let it happen a ninth time. I don't see it translating to the playoffs. I think that he will be an offensive detriment to them. I think you can already look, and teams are not guarding him. That is going to make life tougher on other players, even if he is hitting his wide-open threes, because he's not going to take eight of them a game. So that would be my concern. I would move Isaac Okoro. Now, would I move him for Josh Richardson? Like I proposed that the Spurs should try and do that. I probably wouldn't, mostly because I think you get that deal done without including him. But like Isaac Okoro is just, I'm not out on him as an NBA player, but for what this team needs, I know he gives you so much defensive value when you're playing two smaller guards. You have Envy Mobley and Jared Allen. Like there's a cushion there. And so I would move him for Gary Trent Jr. 
I would add too that I know, I mean, he's on an expiring deal, which makes him similar to Trent in, well, slightly different because of the player option, but like uh, similar in, in that regard. Like if I'm Toronto, I think Levert is a little closer to the type of player that I might want because that, like I just said, like his, his skill is as an on ball shot creator, Yeah, yeah. you know, like I think that, you know, now if he would rather just stay in Cleveland and is not interested in re-signing, if he ends up in Toronto, that's a whole other thing. But, you know, I was asking almost rhetorically, like who's looking for that? Actually, Toronto is looking for that. Toronto want, should want a player kind of like Karis LeVert, especially if you can get him, you know, for a player in Trent that maybe is going to cost more or, you know, doesn't quite fill that same, that same niche. Uh, do you have anything else? There's situations like just kind of simple. They're most likely, who is their most likely player to be traded? I had it as Karis LeVert, but I'm sort of wondering at this point, is it, is it Jetty Osman? Well, I, like, I think I was leaning LeVert. I guess I'll stay with LeVert. But that's only on the assumption that they really are going to go address the small forward spot. But if it's if it's not, if it's like a smaller thing or they're going to take some other swings, there's a lot of options like Osman. Yeah. Seven million this year. Non-guarantee next year. Uh, Windler at four million or or even. Yeah. Like, well, Dean Wade's not going anywhere. Um, Yeah. There's a couple other options, Um, but I guess it's probably Levert. And I just say that because I think Cleveland is good enough or should view itself as good enough to to, to operate on a, we got to, we need to add somebody just now to see, see what we can do in, in these playoffs. I think I concur with you. That was a nice, easy team. Yeah. Uh, the Pacers are my next team and they're kind of another buyer seller, hard to say. And it's kind of been that way from the moment they had a hot start or hotter than, than expected. They've kind of fallen off a cliff ever since Tyrese Halliburton has been hurt, but they're still in a position where, you know, they still have some cap space. Uh, they used up 17 million of it on a renegotiate and extend with miles Turner, but they're still just under 11 million in space. So all the like take on a lopsided trade, you know, to get a pick with some John bad Collins, money, baby. Yeah, take John Collins, be the team that finally ends this national nightmare of will John Collins be traded. <laughs> um, so I still think for me, they ought to be thinking, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I want to take on bad money uh, too, you know, enthusiastically, but they can be opportunistic. They can try to buy, they can, you know, they can see what's out there for Buddy Heald who, you know, there was a time where that contract looked really bad, but I think it's just 21 million next year. I don't have their sheet up in front of me. That's a, it's a botched job on my part. Um, But he signed, you know, when he signed that deal, it had declining structure. So like, he's someone that I think would have significant value elsewhere. And if you assume Benedict Matherin, which would be the correct assumption is in line to take over that job. Yeah. 21 million, 21.2 for healed this year, 19.3 next year. And then it expires. Um, I think that's someone they should be looking to move. I think Chris Duarte is on that list too. Um, you know, Isaiah Jackson, TJ McConnell. Yeah. For uh, you Isaiah Jackson at this point, if you're actually going to keep Turner, who is, I don't know if you've been tracking that. There was a huge debate over whether Miles Turner was still trade eligible after his extension. And the verdict is he could be traded. Now, Kevin Pritchard said, we don't sign people to contracts just to trade them. I believe Bob Myers also said the same thing about D'Angelo Russell. And we know how that (laughs) Yeah, but you knew that wasn't true with Russell. (laughs) (laughs) There was no, there was no question. So yeah, I think, I think it's an opportunistic situation for, for the Pacers. Um, I don't know how, how easy it'll be necessarily to go get like another young piece with, you know, Buddy Heald and, 
probably not giving up draft picks as your, as your main assets to move. Um, but like they can sweeten whatever they want. If, if they need to move healed and, and there's a young player or something that they can take back, it's, 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 it's out. It's possible because they got all their own picks. They've got Boston's first, they've got uh, Cleveland's first in 23. So they have the assets. I still just view them as, as a team that, you know, doesn't need to make huge swings. Definitely should not trade Turner. I think, I think he makes a lot of sense with Halliburton. So yeah, they're, they're kind of in a weird middle ground, but in a strange way, the stakes are just so much lower than, than a lot of other teams in their position, just because they have Halliburton as a cornerstone. They have Matherin. Turner's deal is going to look really reasonable on those two extra years that he added. Cause it's like right around 20 million. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a great over, you know, overview for them, but uh, I, I guess my main thing is I'd be looking to move healed. I just don't, I don't know. I think he has value and I don't know why you necessarily need him on a team that has its backcourt fairly well set. Yeah. I'm just like, he's been so good this year. And if they're actually trying to not accelerate, but not decelerate their process, uh, do you just keep him and then you could revalue your position over the summer? I'm just, cause I could see them buying just they've, they've fallen off since the Tyrese Halliburton injury, which just makes sense. They're 10th in the Eastern conference right now. I believe unless I have not re refreshed this. Uh, yeah, they're 10th, uh, four games under 500, but like they're still within striking distance of doing something. I'm not saying they would consolidate all their picks, but I could see them just standing pat and trying to make a run. Or is it, I guess we can get to, well, who's your most likely player to be traded for this team? I mean, like you said, the Turner deal makes Jackson. I mean, even, uh, Goga Batadze like, might be, might be the one, one of those centers. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think there's a market for Daniel Tice um, or he would be on the list too. Um, they don't, I, I, I don't know. I'd be curious what you think. I don't think that I don't see anyone that like leaps out as oh, they, this guy is, you know, because of salary and position or whatever, like, Oh, they, he's got to go. They're just it not could be O'Shea Brissett. Like for all I know. So yeah, they don't have, I put Isaiah Jackson and I put that after the miles Turner extension. I was just like, all right, like they got to do something with him now. But the trade idea I have does not involve Isaiah Jackson. Uh, it is the Pacers get John Collins and Justin Holiday. The Hawks get Zach Collins, Josh Richardson, O'Shea Brissett, or Jalen Smith. They can have their pick. Cleveland's 2023 first-round pick, which is lottery-protected, then turns into two seconds. It will not turn into two seconds. It'll, it'll convey. Then the Spurs get Chris Duarte, Jalen Johnson, and Daniel Tice. So if I'm the Pacers, we'll look at it from their perspective. I'm, I'm giving up Duarte, Tice, Brissett, or Smith, and that first, and I'm getting back Collins because Holiday is kind of incidental. To me, just in like we've talked all year about like John Collins' value not making sense. That's I think that's a pretty good, pretty good deal to get Collins for that because you're you're not giving away a core piece. You're just, you know. I would give up the second first round pick. Too like if, if Atlanta said we want that Boston pick, yeah, I would give it up too in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, sure, I think that's fine. I think from the Pacers' perspective, that totally works. And like, you know, I I don't know what the Collins Miles Turner fit would would be like, but I think I kind of like probably it. perfect. Yeah, I like I think <laughs> Collins. I still believe in Collins as a defender because um, I've just seen it in in flashes in big games, and um, I I think there's a great chance. I mean, imagine. Like none of the friction of the Sabonis Turner pairing would exist here just because both of them can do stuff with the ball away from the basket and both of them can shoot. It's just, it makes a lot more sense. So I'm very into that if I'm the Pacers. 
Uh, do you have anything else on them? Let's see. I feel like we want to, I don't want to shortchange the Pacers too much here, but um, I don't know. Like, if, is there a contract out there? I think Collins is obviously a value add, but is there, is there, is there a way for them to get into a situation where they're taking on somebody's unwanted money and like getting another first? Cause that sort of feels like the route you would normally take for a team in this position. Um, but I just I'm don't, just, I mean, like, it's all they have to like because they're it's 11 million that they haven't kept a little under 11 million cap yeah. space that just made like you know the knicks what if they just said we'll give you ob top and evan fournier but who are you sending back out right in that and also that's a trade i could see them making where it's sort of a a cheaper player uh cam reddish would be someone else that that brings to mind there maybe even a sadiq bay like if the pistons like well we'll take that cleveland pick for sadiq bay or even the mm. i don't think they take the boston pick i could see them making a move like that i I just lopsided money wise. I don't know how feasible that is. Like John Collins is the perfect example where it's okay. They right. made, I just made that one work, but you might need to send out, you know, like what is the other players that you're sending out to make like, because if a team wants to get off money, it's probably pretty sizable. Yeah. It's like who even, that- are, who even are the salary dump candidates? Like we've said, Hayward, Russell Duncan Westbrook, Robinson, Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. You're, you're going to, yeah. It's just, you know, that's always the route I like to go for a, a team that's not going to, you know, com- contend and has cap space, but the Pacers don't have a lot, like you said, and there just aren't, there aren't that many out there. Yeah. Uh, but this team, I feel like, I guess it's just going to stand pat. Now, like, I don't, I, I could see them being, I think they're, so I'll, th- I'll phrase it this way. I think they're more likely to opportunistically buy than they are to just trade Buddy Heald. Yeah, I think that's probably right. It's just something about healed. And like, I, I understand that he's been a good locker room presence and has played well and makes sense on a team. If next year you're trying to like, you know, win a playoff series, potentially as kind of far-fetched as that seems from here. Um, it's just still like the, the age, the age band and the, the, like, is he a guy that you're going to build? I don't know. It's just, he's the kind of the, which one of these things doesn't belong to some extent. And so that always like puts my trade, you know, antenna up, but there's no, there's nothing wrong with keeping one of the best shooters in the league. Who's going to make 19 million next year. Like that's, if you need to trade him, do it at the deadline next year when there are more teams that could give you something. next team up in the central division, the Chicago bulls, uh, are they buyers, sellers, or inexplicably stand patters? I have no idea what they're going to do. And I think the questions here are just sort of easy. Are they a blow it up candidate? Is Alex Caruso or Nikola Vucevic available, even if they're not blow it up candidates? Uh, and if they, if they're looking to continue to make a run with this core, can they add shooting wing depth and or another big, they have a bunch of needs as a buyer. And you could also ask like, well, how does Lonzo balls, trajectory impact this it's very clear he's just not going to play this season so you need to operate under the assumption that you're not going to have lonzo ball um i have their most likely player to be traded as kobe white even though i think that it should be like i'm all for tear it down i don't say that lightly i say it because they could actually do it like you get Mm -hmm. something for zach levine and DeRozan and caruso i don't know what you can get for vooch at this point but but he's expiring um they're just in such like an uninspiring position right now and they've had some like hotter spurts during this stretch but like when you go and the trade idea i have for them is just like i couldn't even come up with like a buy trade for them because they're so pick encumbered they have um their pick this year is going to go to orlando it's top four protected which is the argument by the way against them blowing it up because then you risk sending orlando this really valuable pick they also owe their 2025 pick under top 10 protection to the to the san antonio spurs they do have portland's 
a lottery protected first round pick coming in. That's probably, well, I won't say probably there's a chance though. That doesn't convey yeah. protected. That's one of the worst protected picks to protected through 2028. What is, what was Neil O'Shea thinking? When he, I think he was the one that made that trade. So I just, I don't know what they do. I don't like coming on this podcast saying I don't have a feel for what a team should do or will do rather. I know what they should do. I think we all know what the bulls should do. I just don't have a feel for what they will do. And also what can they feasibly do? I mean, to me, I've, I don't have a lot to add. I think, so if, if you're just looking at say between Caruso, DeRozan, and I, I don't know, throw Levine in there, I guess. I mean, how many first round picks, like good first, do you think those three guys should yield? Is it like seven? I mean, it, you know, if you're thinking Levine, we're going to give up five first round picks for OG and Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm real loose with the picks today, but the, <laughs> it's, that's all to say, like, I mean, look, I, I've, I'm not the right guy to talk to about the bulls because I was as out as out could be on, on their whole way of thinking on the Vucevic trade. And we're talking two years ago now, like I just, you know, and it's already, I think it's, I'm going to write about this. I think it's one of the worst trades in the last five years, like pretty comfortably just because, you know, not just because of the assets, you know, Wendell Carter, I think has been a better player than Vucevic over the life of that deal, which was like not the plan in a win now trade. And Franz Wagner is probably going to be better than both of them. Um, and there's that other pick that might convey, should convey this year. It's a question of how good it's going to be. Um, but mo- more so than the particulars, just the overall idea of the bulls were trying to win in the immediate and they just like, didn't do it right. They, they picked Vucevic to be a center, uh, you know, on an offense first team and it just wasn't a big enough value add. And now here they are and Vucevic, they might just lose him, you know, free agency, which would probably be fine. Like that's not a good place to be. So this is a teardown to me and, and I would want all the picks I could possibly get to sort of, you know, refill the, the, the cupboard in that regard. And cause I also think like the alternative is we're going to add to this roster, like how, um, with what and to what end, because I don't see a trade that's even remotely feasible that gets them into the, I don't know, even not like forget Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, like to the, Cleveland tier of the East. I just like, I don't, I don't see it. And so then like, well, what's, what's the point? So yeah, I think they're sellers. And I think it's just as much because as much as anything, because like the buy route just almost doesn't work. You know, I don't, I don't understand how you make that work. It's, I don't even know what, let's just say they were willing to dangle the Portland pick. What is the matching salary you're using? If you're not trading Levine, DeRozan or Vooch, who wants Lonzo right now? Is someone willing to, well, I would actually take a flyer on Lonzo if I'm a team, but like the value, like, are you giving up the first round pick to get off of Lonzo's money is two years and about 42 million left on his deal after this one. And then, so once you get past Lonzo, everyone else makes below $10 million. And so now you're giving up like not real stuff, but like you're going to have to go Patrick Williams or Al Caruso in addition to Kobe white to get a Gary Trent jr. Or Malik Beasley. No, you're not doing that. Yeah. Well, Williams is the guy we hadn't mentioned him until you just did. Like if you're packaging a player with a first for a win now move, he's got to be it. And, and, and like you said, he's, he's making 7.8 million this year. And like, that's just, I don't know if that's going to get you there, but will that there, that would, I was complaining that there's like, I don't see a route. Like that's about it. I think is, is if you're trying to get a veteran to help you, Williams probably has to be the guy to go. And like, it's not like Williams, I don't know. I, I'm mostly out on Williams, but 
man, you know, he's not throwaway. It's yeah, not like exactly. Who, You're not just giving who's the player that's a like, yeah, you would give him up in an OG and an OB trade for sure. Yeah. But Patrick Williams, a first and like, like what's that? Like, what OB is White? that? Yeah, like that's not doing it. Maybe Caruso, Patrick Williams in a first. But like, then if you're trying to win now, isn't Caruso right. important? Like it's just right. also, is. the the big thing to me is like in an alternate reality, how different are things if Lonzo Ball just is healthy? Because he was so obviously critical to them when they but were at he, their best at the start of last year. I know what he did was so connective and critical, but he's not the difference between this team being 11th and fourth in the East. Is he his three? I guess his three point volume and defense are just two things that they need so badly. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. it's so it's, it's like, you're really, you're playing pretty fast and loose with like small samples because you know, when they were great to start last year or better than they've been since then, it was just him and Caruso wreaking havoc and the ball was hopping around because Lonzo was out there and just none of that has persisted since he's been out. So it's sort of, you just have the, the, the two comparative, you know, sections of, of this team over the last couple of years, one with ball, one without, and with ball, they were good. And with, without ball, they've not been good. And it's just, I wonder like, would we even be considering like a blow it up thing if he had just been healthy? I think we'd be a lot closer to thinking like, well, what can they get for Patrick Williams? Cause they're not that far away from being as good as Cleveland or like lower it, even Miami, whatever, Brooklyn, if they're not all the way, like, I think it's a lot closer question if he's healthy. And that's just, that's just bad luck. Cause like that was a good deal to get ball. Like that they did that right. I think. So my trade for them, uh, they, there was the rumor report that they wanted two first round picks for Alex Caruso. Then there was the report that the Nuggets were shopping Bones Highland. So my trade was Christian Brown and Bones Highland for Alex Caruso and Javante Green. I view that as the equivalent of two first-round picks. Brown, first year of his rookie scale, showing some defensive toughness. If he can hit his free throws and get his threes up in more volume, he'd be good. Bones Highland, they could use, like, you have Goran Dragic, you have Kobe White. He's probably an upgrade over both as a bench scorer. I still think this is a move you make if you're looking at pivoting into a bigger picture direction. Um so I was curious as to let's just say the move is Chicago is looking at other trades to sell who says no to this framework, which is Christian Brown and Bones Highland for Alex Caruso and Javante green who injured right now. But if he comes back from, I think it's a knee problem. He's actually like really, he's really going to help you with your front court defense. If you're Denver. I won. Well, I actually, I guess Chicago says no only because they might disagree that those two guys are the same as two first round picks. And that's mostly a statement that I just, I love it for Denver because I think I don't, I don't value Highland Highland that highly because it's just, I mean, seems like he's clashed with Mike Malone. He doesn't defend these, you know, that kind of live wire second unit scoring. It's not that valuable. I do like Brown, but he's just such a low usage you know, piece as a rookie that Caruso's impact would be so huge for Denver that, that I'm, I'm good with that. I think the bulls might be correct in thinking like we can get a legit first for Caruso. If we're, you would know, you do if you're the nuggets, would you change it up to go Bones Highland in your 2029 first for Caruso? So then like, that's just a question of, do I, is, is Brown or a 2029 first more valuable? I guess that's more You're about. getting the immediacy of bones. So yeah. maybe, and you have yeah, 2023 pick this year. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I mean, like then you definitely trade Kobe white, I, I guess, but that was, yeah, I, I mean, think, well, a, you think you, you have to let him walk like, for nothing and you're okay. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. I'm, I'm with that. Are you're the Pistons, right? Yeah. I got the Pistons. Um, 
they they're believe it or not they're at the bottom of the east standings they are sellers um but they're weirdly powerful sellers because they have a couple guys chiefly uh Boyan Bogdanovich that maybe there are other names that have come up more often than his this year as trade candidates but like I'm not sure I mean he may be the number maybe one Collins. guy maybe Collins yeah maybe you know, I don't know who else there are a lot Beasley and GTJ I would throw up there yeah He's he's uh he's in the pantheon though of of most mentioned trade candidates. Um I guess the my, the my main question for them is like how serious are they about their asking price for him? Because I think it's reasonable to drive a really hard bargain because as we've said, like this is the guy that everybody should want that is should theoretically be available. But I also don't know how, I mean, they're acting like this is going to be the case, but is it really realistic that the Pistons are just going to hang on to him and try to run it back again next year with this whole, like, we're ready to take a step forward thing and we want the, like, that feels pretty posture to me, um, but they haven't moved him yet. I, I, I just, he's the swing piece for this team. He might be, the, other than the Raptors, like the swing piece for the trade market at this deadline. Um, so that's really my main uncertainty because there are other guys they can trade to uh, and, they, and they should, they should be looking to sell just for everything um, which cuts against this idea that we're going to hold on to a couple vets. Cause we think we can be better next year. You know, Sadiq Bay, a much cheaper alternative still on his rookie scale deal. Alec Burks um, is really palatable just because he is the, you know, scorer shot creator, you know, hybrid one, two, I guess more of a two lately, but he's 10 million this year and 10.5 is a team option next year. So you get, you know, like a lot of leverage and power and that's just a valuable thing to have. Um, I still don't know if either Bay or Burks is going to get you more than seconds. So I guess that would maybe cut against trying to move them this year. Um, but yeah, this is a seller. Uh, I think Bogdanovich should be the most likely player to move um, just because the return projects to me as the greatest. I just don't know. What, what do you think? Do you think this is a scenario where if they don't get, I don't know what the, the, the most recent, we need a, a, a legit first, a good young player, and then whatever salary it's going to take. That seems to be what they want. Do you think that's real and they're just not going to move him? Or is that, let's put that out there and we'll settle for a first, you know? I don't know if this is me snorting the slop too much, but I do believe it because you look at them leading into next year. So they're going to have another high draft pick. Cade Cunningham, Jay Nivey, Jalen Duran, Killian Hayes making improvements this year, still having Isaiah Stewart, whatever they see in Sadiq Bay was on the block. Plus cap space. They can still have over 33 million in cap space this summer, is what I have them at. They might be under pressure to win. They don't have all these extra first round picks in the chamber. Cade Cunningham, year three at that point. How long has Troy Reaver now been in charge at that juncture? They made the Bogdanovich trade in the first place. And even if they're not under pressure to win, to make a play-in or playoff push, they might see a pathway to doing it because you have Cade and Jay Nivey in year two and improved Killian Hayes, having Jalen Duran, having Bogdanovich, one of the best shooters in the game right now, having Alec Burks, who has the that team option, so you could end up keeping him. And Burks has been good this year. The argument for them to trade, but because the other thing here is they don't need to trade any of these guys to suck. They are bad right now. They're going to have top lottery odds. And so if they wanted to wait and say, let's just see how we do next season and we can revisit this. 
The one flaw in that logic would be, I don't think with Bogdanovich specifically, I would argue that Burks would probably get similar value next year as an expiring contract. Um, Bogdanovich as a partial guarantee on the second year of his extension, like the peak of his value is right now. The pinnacle is right there. And so if you're going to move him, move him. But if you're not going to get, I would say a good first round pick while also maybe not having to take back money where I think that's what also complicates this is I think they're a team that because they will feel either pressure or the impetus to try and win, they value that cap space Mm -hmm. they're about to have. And so if the heat come along and say, well, we'll give you an unprotected pick this year, but you have to take Duncan Robinson. I'm not sure that Detroit does that deal. Yeah. I think, I think it's a little bit like the Ananobi argument, which is like, I don't think the market will be better to move this guy for Bogdanovich than it is right now. I agree with that. And, and I think, I think if I'm them, I'll I kind of answer my own thing. I think it's a little bit posturing because it's just not realistic to get everything that they seem to be asking for. But I do think it is fair for them to say, we need a good first. We don't want Miami's first, what's going to be like 23rd or whatever it is. Like we need a oh. good first and, and, you know, put it out a couple years, even if you want to, that's fine. Just let's, I want like pretty substantial upside with it. And then whatever salary you need to, to use to make it work. But like the thing for me with with the Pistons is or a thing is that I still like Cunningham has shown like real promise. Ivy real flashes. Jalen Duran. I don't know how easy it is for a, a non-stretch center to really be a star. I st- even with those guys, Cunningham's the closest. I'm not positive that he's like the best player on a playoff team going forward. Maybe probably even. But the injury stuff combined with just you know, they haven't done much when he's been healthy. Like I kind of want more bites at the apple to get the guy that's better than everybody I have. And like, that's probably unrealistic or greedy or whatever, but that's, that would be my thought of, of let's move Bogdanovich now because the value is going down and maybe my best chance to get another lottery ticket is today. And it might not be there next summer. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's some posturing, but some of it's justified. But then I think you still need more lottery tickets than, than the Pistons have. Which I can already tell that you're not going to like my trade. So who's your most likely player to be traded? Is Bojan Bogdanovic? I, I guess. Uh, but like Burks or Bay are right there, I think. I have Burks because I thought the asking price on him would be lower. That oh, yeah. Just what, it's just like that. So it seems like easier for him to move. Uh, you're not going to like my deal. I could tell already. And I was kind of on the fence on it, but Duncan Robinson, Nikola Jovic, uh, the Miami Heat's 2023 first round pick and 2028 second round pick for Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah, it's cl- it's not quite there because Robinson's salary is not what I... Yeah, have. he has three years and like 55 million left about. Yeah, not not super interested in that. Um, and that first is, I know it's got top four protection on it, but like, yeah, the upside on that, in 23 is especially when you're giving them but on because like right now i like the heat are not i will say not inoculated against disaster so yeah. it's being, but like they do have a top 10 record as we're recording this and so like that's with kyle that's with them missing a ton of people missing a ton of games that's with kyle lowry not being that great this year so there's definitely like the element of okay, well, what that's not really a good first round pick. Yeah, and I mean like Jesus, Christ, like Bogdanovich would make them so much better. Like he would, fi- yeah. he would, he would fix so much of what's going on with them. Um, even though I just are- don't know what I don't know what team would give up the first round pick that I think gets it done for Detroit because I don't even think 
does the Lakers 2027 first round pick do it? Because now you're saying, well, the primary asset is something that's not going to convey until five drafts from now. Yeah. Well, that's, that's always the issue with a situation like this is the teams that should want the guy are good. And the, the first that they're giving up, unless you punt them way out are just right. not going to be that good. So it's like, how far out do you need to go for the team that has the veteran, the bad team with the veterans move to be persuaded? Like, okay, this is enough. Like the, the potential upside of this one is, is enough. I mean, that 27 first from the Lakers to me is a hell of a lot better than a 23 first from the heat this year. Correct. Um, I would agree. I, so I, but even then it's like, <laughs> should the Lakers even do that? Because I don't know if he puts them over the top, like he might for the heat. Do you, are you ready to take us out here? Yeah. So uh, once again, and as always, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, give us five stars on iTunes. Uh, make sure you're following us on our socials that we're at Hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram, where we have a robust 200 plus person following. Get at us. Um, join our Discord. Uh, you can get involved in the mailbags and everything else fun we do there. It's great discussions, a lot of like real serious, you know, but also fun basketball people that really care about this stuff. Um, so it's a great place to be and check us out on our live streams. We're going to be doing on the BR app uh, next week. That's the seventh and the ninth. I forget the times. Uh, we'll make sure like, I think it's two Eastern, Eastern, Eastern time on the seventh, 5 PM Eastern time on the ninth. Yeah, there it is. Check, uh, check us out on there. Um, and yeah, thank you again. And as always, we apologize to Jared Allen and shout out the one and only Frank Nilakina, neither of whom were mentioned, but they're always in our hearts. <laughs>